Welcome to Talk Therapy CBT, a conversation about educating, helping, and connecting individuals to the world of psychology. This podcast is supported and produced by Inner Balance Psychology Center. I would also like to thank our sponsor, Dr. Alba Raffaella, psychologist and author of Breaking the Mirror, a story and guide on how to recognize and deal with narcissists, available on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I'm your host, Dr. Don Raffa, and joined with me today is my co-host, Anthony Dana. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. Happy 4th of July weekend to you and everybody. Thank you. Same You're, to you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, broadcasting on a Sunday. Yeah, we tend to do Sundays. It works for our schedule, but that's fine. <laughs> We're dedicated to the craft. Yeah, you know, I mean, and it's important, you know, to get this in, uh, these podcasts in, but to also to stop and smell the roses, you know, to, you know what, Dr. Rafa, it's really important to have a good balance of, of work and, and play, right? All work and no play makes Jack and Jill <laughs> dull kids, uh, you <laughs> know, and we have to incorporate Jill because like, otherwise it'd be sexist. Uh, right. Um, we have to incorporate saying, Jill. Although I always heard it just with Jack, <laughs> but now I'm, I'm more, um, I'm a better version of myself. <laughs> well, it kind of speaks to the name of the practice, inner balance, right? Having some inner balance and that could be achieved in a variety of ways, you know? Yeah, that's that's actually that's what today's episode's all about. It's uh, wow, go figure. Episode thirty four. You love that? You love that? I love segue, that segue. That I crowbarred in there. It's very creative. That's why you have your title of creative director. Yes. <laughs> that's, that's Just in thing. case anybody is wondering. Yeah, uh, who this, this co-host is. He's right. a creative director. So quotes on work-life balance. Um, how about you go first? Okay. So this one is non-authored. So I assume anonymous, even though it doesn't say anonymous. Never get so busy making a living that you forget to make a life. So there's a few choices for me to pick with this theme. And I think it is important because, you know, the, uh, I don't know if it's a saying or a metaphor or like about when we're on our deathbed or dying, most people or many people aren't saying that they should have worked more or they wish they worked more. It's more about relationships. And people often forget to have a good balance. They're maybe so dedicated, driven, achievement oriented that they're working, 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 and they forget how to live. Right. Yeah. Like, I, like that audio slave song. Like tell, tell me how to live or show me how to live. <laughs> you know that song, audio what song? By audio slave. No, but now. Oh, I'll have to play it for oh, you. Oh, you know, if I, yeah, if I heard it, I would probably. Oh, yeah. It's in my song. playlist. Okay. I'm playing for no, you. I like that. It's important to remember that. Piggybacking off of what you said about, you know, nobody on their deathbed ever thought, yeah, I should have worked more. I see these little memes or quotes here and there about how the day after you die, your job will replace you. They'll, you know, like, you know, or you quit, they'll, they'll look to replace you or you die. They'll, they'll look to replace you within a second. Yeah. You're easily replaced, um, expendable. Expendable, mm. yeah. You know, they can easily replace you mm. and it makes you just realize what, what are you doing? You know, like, I mean, still do a good job for mm-hmm. your employer, but, mm-hmm. you know, when you're obsessed to the point where, you know, you miss your child's recital or, you know, certain things that would have meant something to you, you know, it, it just makes you make sure, you know, op- open up your eyes to a lot of things. Hey, look, and there's a quote I just saw in my list here. It actually is. No one, no one, which is pretty overgeneralized. No one on his deathbed ever said, I wish I had spent more time at the office. Yeah. And those are moments you can't get back. Your child's sporting events or graduation or, you know, maybe a family gathering. You can't get those back. Well, do you think part of that is another, again, this guy, I guess, goes more into our, our conversation about healthy work-life balance, but leaving the office at the office. And, and it's hard for people to transition and just go, okay, work's done. I'm home now. 
but people obsess about work while they're with their family, while they're, but it's their time. And that's not when you should, like, you can't do anything about it right now. You mm-hmm. can be with your family. Mm-hmm. You can matter there. Right. And people can't do that. Yeah. Especially with the phone, you know, the smartphone obviously has a lot of advantages, but people constantly checking their emails and checking their work work stuff. And like that is sometimes a homework assignment for couples or family therapy is everybody put your phone down and just have dinner together Yeah, and have conversations with one another and not be so plugged in, right? Plugged in, exactly. Mm -hmm. What's your quote? So my quote is, there's no such thing as work-life balance. There are work-life choices and you make them and they have consequences. And that is by Jack Welsh. And just in case anybody was wondering out there, because I was, I'm like, Jack Welsh, is he a psychologist? Is he an author? Well, again, he might be an author. But so Jack Welsh was an American business executive, chemical engineer and writer. He was chairman and CEO of General Electric from 81 to 2001. And he also, this is interesting. I just wanted to point this out. Uh, When he retired, GE, uh, he received a severance payment of $417 million, which was the largest at the time. Mm -hmm. So that, I like that quote because, you know, you make choices and they have a consequence. You can, okay, I'm going to spend more time in the office. It's going to better my career. But what's what's the trade-off? What are you sacrificing? Is it worth it? Yeah. And vice versa. Right, right, right. There's always a trade-off. And in CBT and behavior therapy and even ACT, we talk about, okay, this is your choice. You always have this choice to make, but think about the consequences that may come of that choice. And again, the whole values is in, in line with your values, purposeful, that kind of thing. So thinking of it in those terms can help you maybe conceptualize a little bit better. Like it's your choice. You want to work at the office 60 hours a week. Okay. But you're not going to have time for anything else. Mm. Most likely. Right. No. Yeah. And uh, there's a question (laughs) I have about people who are obsessed with work later Mm -hmm. on, but it kind of makes me, reminds me of of one of my questions. Okay, Okay. Let's start off with my first question. How does one obtain quote unquote, perfect work-life balance doc? Well, obviously there's a cognitive distortion in that sentence. Perfect right? (laughs) Never should. Right. Perfect. So people might poo-poo kind of like an an idea of how to make more of a work-life balance or healthy balance because it's not good enough or not perfect. Well, it can't be this way, so I'm not going to even do it. So there really is no perfect work-life balance. There's not many things that are perfect, even a circle. That's a whole nother story. But there may be days when you work longer, you have time later in the week to enjoy other activities. I did this on Monday. I had a really long work day on Monday. I got all my work done. So Tuesday, I could have a free, quote unquote, free, freer day, right? So it might not be an everyday type of thing. It's more like an overtime. Balance is achieved over time and you're working towards it. And I always think about what's helpful, what's not, and kind of what's working and what's not, which is good for the planners that we talked about before, about New Year's, around New Year's, the smart planner, Mm, like that yeah. one. The productivity planner does like a week in review or a month in review. Like, okay, what were the wins this week? Right. Maybe, you know, there isn't an ideal. And I can't imagine where it would consistently be ideal, right? Where there's always a perfect work-life balance. Well, I think, you know, it's it's kind of like that carrot or that brass ring, so to speak, where, okay, try to be perfect. You're not going to be. But if you keep trying to be, you're going to be better than you would have been. Right. Like, yeah. Like, so that old saying, by the way, when we were kids, which I don't like, and I've heard better ways is um, practice makes perfect. No, that's not true. Practice makes progress. 
Right. So it's progressing it's, towards it's, a realistic one. Now, somebody else's work-life balance could be very different than mine, and it may change over time. When you have young children, it could look different than when your children are older, when you're maybe towards retirement age. It's going to look different. It's progress, not perfection. Correct. Work-life progress. Yeah. Don't like, you think that sounds better? As long as you're still, well, like any aspect of your life, as long as you are trying to become a better version of yourself with everything and your work-life balance is one of those things, right? Uh-huh. Yep. Exactly. I mean, I think I'm pretty good at practicing what I preach. I have a pretty good work-life balance right now. Early on in my career, no. <laughs> Absolutely did not. And well... as a, That's hard too when you're in your 20s and you're, you're trying to make a name for yourself or you're new in your career mm-hmm. and you're trying to make a good impression, right? I, yeah. I read over your newsletter. The, yeah. one, the one part that I liked the most was... Find something that you love to do. And that's something that I tell kids in my class. I find myself saying that, you know, over and over. You know, I, I give As far the, as a job, you mean? As far as yeah. A, yeah, a profession. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Find something mm-hmm. you love to do. I give them these three rules. Find something you love to do. Figure out a way to get paid for it. And then make sure it's legal. <laughs> the third part sometimes gets lost in the sauce. but mm-hmm. And that is a big part of making work-life balance easier, I would think. I think that this generation, Gen Z, and we'll see with Gen A because we're little guys, seems to do a better job at that. And I hear Baby Boomer and Gen X parents saying, you know, like, I grew up very differently. It was work, work, work and no play. And my kids are really better at doing this. Like this, yeah, like I'm not going to work a 40-hour work week when I can work 25 and... Work smart, not hard. Mm. But but the older mentality, the baby boomers and those before them, well, okay, the greatest generation, they didn't have the, well, let's see what I can do to be an entrepreneur and make money, but have fun. Work was, work's supposed to be hard and you're mm. supposed to hate it and you're supposed to just roll up your sleeve. Okay, well, that was during the depression and, and the baby boomers kind of adopted that from that like, generation. Yeah. Like but, you have to and just suck it up and be strong. But, and do it, you know? but this world we live in now, there's endless opportunities and you can just make you know, there's something you can make a profession, you can make a, an app, you can make something that's a money maker. Mm-hmm. You know, it's crazy. All the YouTubers, video game programming, all kinds of stuff. Absolutely. Right. So I think that we can learn, for, I guess, from our kids in, in that respect. Yeah. You know. No, seriously. And there's mm-hmm. something there's something uh, to be said about that and that mm-hmm. uh, the older generation can learn from the kids, you know, in that regard. Like, hey, I, you know what I mean? I can make money. Uh, you know, some people you know, who, who make money during a podcast for crying out loud. It's like, <laughs> wow. And it's like, it's and it's, you know, it's fun. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I mean, we, you know, obviously this isn't a moneymaker, but it's just fun to do. Mm-hmm. But for some people... It's their like job. Like Joe Rogan and other, Yeah, it is mm-hmm. a pretty good moneymaker. You oh, know yeah. what I mean? And they have, you know, like merchandising, all kinds of stuff. Like you can make careers out of a lot of different stuff. Sales. Yeah. You know, people start a small cookie business and then they become like an enterprise and they- Famous Amos. Famous Amos, yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. All right. My second question for those people, mostly, I guess, maybe, well, maybe not always the older generation, but when it comes to people who claim they're only happy when they're working, I can't shut it off. I can never just totally shut it off. I have to be working. If I'm not working, I'm not happy. I'm miserable if I'm not working or thinking about work, right? Mm -hmm. And so these people, are they being honest to themselves or with themselves? And or if they are, 
is there something wrong with them? Or maybe there's something lacking in their lives. If that, that's all you mm-hmm. obsess about and that's the only thing that makes you happy, then that's not healthy. I think it's very short-sighted. And again, I'm a fan of driven, accomplished success, you know, being in your wheelhouse of importance. But I think in the long run, you know, again, like you're going to burn out, especially in certain professions, ours for sure. And um, I'm a big fan of saying that to my employees, like, make sure you take time off and time for yourself. We get compassion fatigue. So I think if someone's identity is wrapped up with just one role, it's not healthy, whether that's a role of a spouse, the role of a parent, the role of a profession. I think, again, it needs to be varied. And so many people do this. And I mean, I obviously see people coming to therapy because they have issues and problems with this are complaining about like, well, who am I? What's my identity now after 20, 25 years of working? Or I never wanted to do this. I only did this for my parents. I I remember my grandmother did not know what to do with herself when she was retired. Like she still, she still had to keep herself busy. She still had to, like she would go outside and she's like 80 years old. And we're like, what are you doing? And like, she would just like sweep the dirt. I mean, like, what what do you, you're just looking for something to do. There's nothing that really need to be, what do you need me to do? I'll do it. Ah, no, no, everything. And I'm like looking around and like, she's just, but she has to keep busy. She has to. Keeps you younger. Keeps you less. And you know, but a little bit of that. A little bit, yeah. It's okay, I guess, right? Well, it's finding, people tend to uh, settle back into things they used to like when they were younger or their hobbies. Uh, People sometimes have a part-time job because they want to have something to do. Otherwise, they're just going to sit home and do nothing. Yeah, she used to. She used to crack me up. She used to, um, a couple of times, she used to take care of elderly people and they were around the same age. <laughs> but, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, that's funny. I'm like, how old is that lady that you're, uh, you know, taking care of during the day while their parents, or rather kids, I mean, their kids are going to work and they're staying. Oh, yeah. She's like, uh, you know, 76. I go, yeah. So she's a... Uh, She's a year older than you. Okay, that's great. But you're taking care of her. Okay. Yeah, it's good. Companionship. Yeah. It's cute. Yeah, so, I mean, my advice with that is, you know, again, don't work too hard. Work smarter, not harder, that whole thing. And finding ways to manage it because inevitably there's going to be so much stress where you're just working so much that you don't have other joy in their life. So maybe people are deluding themselves. Yeah. So how do you think the pandemic affected people's perception of a work-life balance or trying to maintain that? Well, what I've noticed you know, obviously anecdotally, is that kind of two, couple things, actually two things. One is initially, I think people just didn't know how to be home and work from home and figure out how their kids be homeschool or, you know, going to school from home. And they were just working too much. And some companies expected it like, okay, you're home and I'm going to email you at 9 p.m. and you're going to respond and and other ones didn't. So I think that that was a problem because your home hopefully is your your happy place in your sanctuary and you kind of zip everything up at work and leave it at work. So I think people had a really hard time with time management. That wasn't the case. Yeah. Yeah. And I get it because during the day, the kids are home doing their schoolwork and, you know, maybe both parents are home working and they have to catch up at night. But again, there has to be really good boundaries with prioritizing work time as if you're going to the office, having a different space for your work. You know, like you don't have to get dressed, maybe put your shirt on if you have a Zoom meeting and keep your pajama bottoms on. But I've seen that. And then I've seen the opposite, which are people maybe reprioritizing what's important to them. So realizing, wow, I was working so much at this job and I never had time to really spend with family. And family is so important. Health is so important. I'm really going to prioritize vacations. I'm going to prioritize 
you know, being outside and just have some more downtime. It was an eye opener for them. I think it was. Yeah. For some, for, you know, a lot of people. And I think that's a good shift actually. Yeah. Some people I know of have quit their jobs because they realize this isn't a job for me. Businesses and companies, I think even the state, New Jersey, like they're doing some hybrids working from home because they see people being more productive and they're also saving money on utilities, I think, to a degree, like shutting the office down. And so they're seeing that maybe people are happier working from home. In certain professions, I think you can do that. Mm-hmm. Not all. No, 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 no. I mean, I know yeah. some hands-on professions you can't do a hybrid like a I, massage te- therapist. Teaching, teaching online was not productive. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, <laughs> I mean, it was a joke. It, it was what we had to do because it was something to tide you over. It's a necessary evil, sure, but well, I just think long term it's not a good idea because obviously the kids are impacted educationally. Same thing with psychology and clinically is that it's okay short term, and thank goodness I had it as an option to keep inner balance going and my practice going, but like. It's just not, again, sustainable. So I think some good things came out of the pandemic, maybe people prioritizing time for themselves and their loved ones. So some tips, by the way, that was in my newsletter this week is setting boundaries and work hours. Like I said, just making sure you have your work tasks on a schedule from nine to five. This is what I'm going to do. Maybe having a separate computer or phone for work so you can shut it off, having away messages on your email, having a better time to plan and blocking out downtime, not just work time. And then Sticking to priorities and setting goals, looking at your to-do list and analyzing tasks that have no little value, I guess. And then structuring your day and making more time, especially now with this beautiful weather, to relax outside of work and have some free time. So mm-hmm. hopefully people are learning that. I mean, culturally, we're a work workhorse kind of culture, don't you think? Europe is too, but they do things better. They take siestas in the afternoon. They have well, you know, they have a better. A they're better at the balance. You yeah, think? I think so. They yeah. walk a lot of places. They have at least in Italy. Now, see, now people, Americans are like, oh, there's see, they're lazy. Well, they seem as late. And there's a lot of shoulds that come on. You're so lazy. Yeah. In taking naps in Sicily, and I believe Italy as well. The month of August is vacation month. Stores are closed down. Do not travel there <laughs> in August because <laughs> some stores are closed. Yeah. And people have that whole should with, well, I'm lazy. I'm not doing enough. I need to keep up with, you know, so and so or the Joneses. And mm-hmm. it means something negative about them if they relax or take a two week vacation. They bring their computer with them on vacation. I mean, not good, right? I mean, if you can prioritize and if you can, okay, you know what? I'm going to, for an hour, half an hour, by the pool or in your room, do something real quick. But then we are going to go, you know, to the pool. We are going to go to the beach. We are going to, you know, and I'm going to leave my laptop, my, I mean, I'll bring my phone with me, but I'm not going to check it, in, you know, mm-hmm. every five seconds, right? Yeah. And I'm again, some employers are getting better at uh, man- telling their employees to have downtime and having meditation rooms and things like that, especially big, big companies. But a lot of times people make these this reasoning, well, I'm going to have so much work to catch up on when I come back. Yeah. So what? <laughs> You're going to be in a better place to do that work. Right. right. Always going to be there waiting for you. Yeah. Like what's the difference? You're going to be there yeah. anyway. So what's you know? the alternative? You're yeah. going to just like push through and then right. just burn out and not really be effective. Right. So moral of the story, what did we learn today, Mr. Dana? It's impossible to have a perfect balance of work and play as long as you know that you need to do both so you can appreciate. Yeah, it's kind of like I always said, it's always like the winter and the summer for us in the Northeast and Midwest, where I think we appreciate the summer all the more because there's the winter 
Oh, yeah. One thing I was going to add, I think we had talked about in our pre-show, was um, when I lived for a short while in California, I think people there do it better. I really do because they were outside a lot, people walking. I mean, obviously people work there too, but it's just the warm weather. Being outside just entices you, the vitamin D, maybe Florida and other warm climates as well. But I felt like it was that whole California vibe. Like it was real. Right. It was really chill. I People could tell I was from the East Coast because I spoke so fast and I was in a hurry. Sure, sure. Like when I would check out at the grocery store, like I was in a hurry. Yeah. And they were like taking their time and talking and bagging. It wasn't just, hey, how are you? And how they are with their head down here. It was this whole big experience. And it took me probably about two months to just chill out and well, just slow down. I can think, I guess, an analogy of sorts where, because we have summer vacation. So kids have summer vacation. Teachers have summer vacation, right? So July and August, we are not working, right? So, and the kids aren't working. Mm -hmm. And I say that, first of all, if I don't do a part-time job in the summer, well, financially, it's it's not easy. But second of all, you know, I, I feel better about myself if I do a little something, just a little something those couple months. So I can relate to my grandmother in that respect. But with the kids, I always say this to the kids when they come back to school in September, I'm like, so you guys, you guys are happy you're back to school. Of course, I think they, they know as children, as kids, teenagers, they have to say no. They have to, you know, they're conditioned to, no, no, no. Uh, we have to tell, say we hate school. Okay, and you might, but there's a part of that where you did miss it and you don't want to admit it because it doesn't make you look cool. But in late August, you were like, I can't wait to go back to school. And yes, socially, friends and so on, but you just feel Junctures. like a slug, you know? Yeah. You want that structure, probably. Kids yearn for that, you know? Right. Idle hands are the devil's workshop. And you do feel better about yourself after, you know, a good productive day at work, relatively speaking. <laughs> you know, you just do. I mean, I know I do. And But again, and then after a while, then you get, okay, then you get jaded. In it, but, you know, after you go a while without it, I mean, you kind of feel, hmm, I'm... You, you want feel to have some meaning and some purpose sure. and being productive, right? And it's just figuring out ways to be productive, you know, effectively and, you know, resting your brain, your body and managing, right? So on that note, we're going to go enjoy this wonderful day with this nice weather, I think. Looks nice. Yeah, yeah. it's a, another sunny day it's out. Sunny. So as always, thanks for listening to our show. Catch all of our episodes and more at www.innerbalancepsychology.com or talktherapycbt.com. Email us if you have any questions at info at innerbalancepsychology.com. And remember to stop it and give yourself a chance. 